Pillar Hackers. You just heard him read the article with me today. Dr. Mark Bubbs for another article cast. This one is five ways a paleo diet can help depression. So Mark, set it up real quick. Um, what would the person at home be feeling right now if they were having um, symptoms of depression? Yeah, symptoms of depression we often just associate with sort of full-blown depression where there's extreme low mood, extreme low energy, um, perhaps even inability to fall asleep, things like that. But it can be milder than that. It's, it's, it's a spectrum. So you know, if you get run down, um, whether it's through being busy at work, whether it's through you know, intense training, these are all you know, low mood is a symptom of, of both of those things. Um, so again, it can just feel you know, you're not as sharp during the workday. Um, you don't feel as focused. You do feel like there's you know fatigue throughout the day or you know periods of fatigue which seem you know more intense than they should be. You probably struggle to even with your performance in the gym. You might struggle with your recovery uh, outside of the gym. Um, humor is another big one. All of a sudden, you're not laughing at jokes anymore. Maybe not telling any jokes anymore. That's always a classic one that starts to go. Um, and again, it's a spectrum, so it can it can start small and then kind of build from there. Okay. And I know uh, friends who have gone in and seen, or if you even look online, you go in and you see the questionnaire that you have to have any of these symptoms for, what, two or three weeks more, and it seems like they're very basic things. It seems like the questionnaires are very broad, like um, trouble concentrating or lack of attention, you know, things that can be linked to other symptoms. So uh, do you think depression's a bit of a catch-all term? I think it's, I mean, those are definitely... Those general symptoms are important, but like you said, it becomes tricky when traditionally the the tool for um, the intervention is going to be a drug intervention. So it does get a little bit of a slippery slope when we're just using all these general terms, which you know a lot of us would just fit into you know week to week depending on how busy we are. Yeah. To then say, okay, well this person needs you know an SSRI or a medication to impact you know neurotransmitters in the brain, and you know while that can definitely benefit people. Um, even the researchers, the PhDs who've come up with a lot of these medications, as far as 20, 30 years ago, have openly stated that you know one single neurotransmitter is not the reason why we have low mood. I mean, there's there's so many different variables kind of all coming together and interplaying together that lead to this kind of thing. So it's it's a little oversimplistic to to just think that we can nail down sort of that one thing. Um, and even what we're about to talk about today, if if someone's not quote unquote depressed or wouldn't identify themselves as being depressed or low mood, they can still benefit from incorporating any of these things we talk about. For sure. I mean, again, low mood can just be periods of low mood. You know, again, busy work days, long, long hours, um, kids at home, training hard, all these types of things. Because, you know, when you get into an overtraining types uh, situation, low mood is a classic sign of that. So that's sometimes a great point where people can say, you know what? It's been an intense kind of three, four weeks of training here in the gym. I'm going to start incorporating a few of these things to help me kind of buffer that and make sure that I come out of this um, ready to go for the next training phase, etc. Sure. And so you wrote the article, you know, five ways a paleo diet can help depression. What are maybe some of those ways that you were talking about in the article? So some of the classic things that we tend to overlook in a traditional approach is just the, the deficiencies that we commonly see uh, in somebody who's suffering from low mood. Um, vitamin D is a classic one. Um, you know, omega threes is another classic one. Blood sugar abnormalities is one that we often uh, hmm. you know, don't ever get screened for. So somebody could come in complaining of low mood, and we, you know, would never even traditionally would never run their their blood sugars, their insulin. Um, we see a lot of really cool studies coming out of Scandinavia showing that if you're even just at the high end of normal, 
um, on these fasting insulin and HA1C, which is your three-month average of blood sugars, then you're much, much more likely to have low mood and much, much more likely to suffer from potential depression. So kind of making sure some of these things are, are in place is really key. And then, you know, if the person requires medication, then that can always be used. But Again, getting down to the, the basics first and looking for that root cause is, is important. I'm always fascinated by the vitamin D link to mood and overall health. I think it's very fascinating, especially me being in Seattle. I know you're in Toronto. May not get as much sun as some other places being in this kind of northern climate. Um, talk about vitamin D real quick. Yeah, vitamin D, I mean, it's a pro-hormone for testosterone uh, as well as being, I mean, the classic indications are for immunity and for bone health. Um, but what we're seeing, especially if you're active, it's, it plays a major role in terms of muscle metabolism, um, inflammation. It's a pro-hormone for testosterone. So it has all these impacts on the body. And the, the big key is that the more active you are, or even if you're overweight and there's an inflammatory process going on, we know that inflammation really drives down vitamin D levels. And that's one where someone can think, well, I live in Florida or I live in L.A. or it's the summertime in Toronto. I shouldn't have low vitamin D. Yeah. Um, but we're surprised when we test our you – know, I work with Canada Basketball, the men's national basketball team as a sport nutrition lead. And when we test our guys, even in the middle of the summertime, they're coming out um, you know, far lower than what we'd like to see them at. Um, so that's definitely one that should be screened and, and just knowing a baseline because we're all different. Some people might require some supplementation. Some might, people might require – more supplementation, but unless you actually know where you stand, um, you know you don't want to go too much above five thousand IU. I'd say a day. Okay, yeah, because I know vitamin D being a fat soluble vitamin up there with A, D, E, and K, and they can cause you can't get toxicity from these, right? Yeah, I mean the toxicity is pretty high. The first thing we kind of worry about is just vitamin D's impact on vitamin K and how all these things sort of interplay with one another and even calcium levels in the in the body. So it's it's. Um, it's just important to know if the person's very active or not and then getting an actual number. So the getting tested and finding out what that number is um, is sort of crucial. Okay. Okay. Got it. And the good thing about tests, I don't know what the policy is up in Canada, but I know in America, you know, some tests aren't covered, but this is a pretty general standard blood test, correct, for vitamin D? Yeah, I mean, most GPs should run it these days. I mean, here in Canada, they, we all we sort of assume that everyone's deficient and we tell them all to take 1,000 IU per day. Um, which is you know moving in the right direction, but if you do suffer from low mood or poor immunity or low testosterone levels and things like that, then then getting your number, knowing your number is pretty crucial because food sources you can find some decent food sources, but really it's tough to raise your levels too too much from food. I mean the sun's going to be the biggest thing, and if you're you know living in England or Scandinavia or northern parts of the the U.S. or in Canada, then you're, it's going to be tougher to get those levels, especially from October to uh, to March April. I know the bioavailability of most supplements, the part that gets absorbed into your actual body, can be as little as 10%. How, are the, how is the bioavailability of most vitamin D supplements? Is it pretty good? I would say you want to look for like the, um, the emulsified versions. The liquid versions are going to be a bit more absorbable than the, mm. um, some of the, the, the tablet versions. You can get like the, the gel caps would probably be the next best bet. And then as long as you have that with a, with a meal and some fatty foods, then you're, uh, you should be pretty good to go. So take it with a meal. Be great, yeah. Okay, got it. So we covered vitamin D, good stuff, get tested, know your number, and uh, maybe even start doing some research on supplementation. Let's talk about um, uh, vitamin, I mean, uh, not vitamins, rather, omegas 6-3 ratios, 369. Um, that's very important, I know, just in controlling inflammation and the standard American diets, just terrible with it but i guess you're the expert let's let's let you talk about the uh the balance there 
Yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it right there. I mean, just there's so much omega six in the in the average person's diet, and even the person who's quote unquote healthy and you know buying their foods from the health food shop and eating out at nice restaurants. I mean, they're still using a lot of vegetable oils, mainly vegetable oils for all that cooking, and even in you know healthy processed snacks. So we get this major skew of, of omega threes to sixes. So while you know, so that's why one of the reasons it's important to supplement with an omega three. Uh, you know, fish oil or krill oil or even a sea algae like a DHA um, uh, capsule would be great. Mm-hmm. But you've got, to, you've got to not just think of that bumping that one side up because you've got to get in the diet and kind of really reduce some of those things that are driving up the, the omega-6 levels. And in terms of low mood and depression, it's a really powerful one. I mean, even the, uh, you know, most docs are behind that now. The research is pretty compelling. And you can get tests done to kind of measure your your omega three contents and red blood cell, et cetera. So it's a uh, it's a pretty key one if you are if you are struggling. Then then getting that number is uh, it's a good one to have. Okay, and so maybe even adding a supplement in there, getting that number tested, and definitely removing the inflammatory foods. How does that? Um, how do the omegas kind of influence your mood and, and depression? There's through various. I mean, the omega threes affect a lot of different pathways. I mean, a lot of the prostaglandin pathways, especially reducing inflammation. Um, inflammation seems to be a, a driving force as well behind um, you know low mood and depression. It kind of dovetails in with the high insulin and high blood sugar picture because again we'll likely see those together. The person who's struggling with the blood sugars and struggling with the high insulin, the chances of them having low mood and depression are much much greater. Um, and so that's again where this uh, you know paleo approach to eating one of the reasons why you know it doesn't necessarily have to be a low carb approach, but it does fit a low carb approach pretty nicely. So getting the protein up. Uh, all those animal proteins, you know, don't be scared of, uh, you know, the cholesterols and the saturated fats, which, you know, a lot of the medical docs still are. And that's probably yeah. one of the reasons why we struggle with helping people out is because they really need to boost those up in their diet uh, get the veggies up and then just start reducing those starchy carbs or breads or pastas or, you know, even rices for those people. And they'll tend to see some pretty nice uh, shifts. Great. Dr. Mark, uh, where can people find out more about kind of the research? And, and I know you got a, a book out, and where can they find out more about that? Yeah, you can reach me. Uh, website's drbubs.com, uh, drbubbs.com, or on Twitter at drbubs. And of course, my new book's called The Paleo Project. We talk all about inflammation and blood sugars in there at paleoprojectbook.com. When did that come out? Uh, just this March. Ooh, okay. Uh, uh, you got to send me that. I got to look through that. That'd be Definitely. fun. Yeah. What, what kind of stuff do you cover in there? So it's kind of just a philosophy for our practice. So the first section we go through cut out. Key hormones, insulin and cortisol are really dialed in. And of course if your diet's better. Hey, um Mark, be- sorry, you cut out um you cut out when you were talking about that. So it, uh um uh, so what's the paleo project about? Like, you- yeah. So the paleo project is effectively you know a template for how I practice. Um, the first section is all about nutrition, right? The proteins, the fats, the carbs, um, dispelling a lot of the myths and going through setting some benchmarks for for people to to achieve. The second section is all about hacking your health. So you know once your diet's in order, it's a lot easier to correct your digestion, your immunity, your inflammation, and those two key hormones, right? Your blood sugar hormone insulin and your stress hormone cortisol. And of course, that sets you up for the last section, section three, which is you know kind of a choose your own adventure, either looking to improve your performance or getting into that better health, better body composition. Awesome. DrBubs.com. You heard it first. Thanks, man. Thanks, buddy.